0: Hello, and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Megan Liz Smith, and joining me in the KBI studios is Anna Kamaraliz. Hey, Megan. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. This cold, air-conditioned room, you guys may not know this, but the KBI studios are very air-conditioned. Yeah, we're in our own little radio igloo in here. We have three topics lined up for today's roundtable discussion. First, a Kansas City startup is offering an alternative to traditional payday loans. Next, Governor Parson vetoed a bill this month that would have broadened the availability of computer science classes, even though a lot of Missouri tech companies really champion the bill. Then, our final topic for the roundtable will be a Missouri sewing startup. They're providing training and eventually job placement for at-risk women. Now they're expanding. After that, an interview with Carolyn Crisman, the executive director of the Missouri Rural Enterprise and Innovation Center in Kirksville. Chrisman talks about the dramatic cuts to their funding that they've been dealing with over the past fiscal year, and what it's like to be an entrepreneurship program in a rural region. So, let's get started. Our first topic, payday lending, and one startup's attempt to address it. Last week, we talked about the latest cohort of Techstars KC. Today, we thought we'd look at one member of that cohort a startup hoping to offer an alternative to the traditional payday lending. Yeah, and and this is a topic that's pretty familiar to the Kansas City area. Yeah, so in January, Scott Tucker of Overland Park was sentenced to nearly 17 years in prison for shady payday lending practices, including illegal interest rates and deceptive loan terms. Between 2008 and 2012 alone, prosecutors said Tucker exploited 4.5 million people and collected $1.3 in illegal interest payments.
1: Yeah, and and that's not the only example by any means. Uh, Last month, another payday lender, Rick Mosley Sr., was sentenced to 10 years in prison for a number of issues, including the issues that we mentioned from the Tucker case, illegally high interest rates and deceptive loan terms. Hmm. Kansas City's payday
0: lending culture was even featured on Netflix's Dirty Money series. And there are a lot of examples we could bring up about this, but then we wouldn't really get to talk about today's topic, a startup that's hoping to give people a better alternative to the cycle of payday loan debt. So... What alternative is this new startup offering, Annika? So the startup is called Solo Funds, and it's a peer-to-peer
1: lending system where borrowers are connected with individuals who will loan them amounts of under $1,000. The Cincinnati-based company has an app where borrowers sign up, write the amounts that they need, the reason they need it, and how much they'll repay and when.
0: Hmm. So how's it going so far? Well, the Kansas City
1: Star reported that $200,000 in small loans have already flowed through the app so far. They actually had an oversupply of lenders in the beginning, so they had to make some adjustments. The co-founder and CEO, Travis Holloway, refers to the repayments not as interests but as tips, um, and they're limited at 10%. And in terms of collections, the company uses an alternative collections company that sends emails and texts rather than phone calls and does so less frequently than other collections companies. Hmm. So to summarize, what does all this mean? Kansas City is a place where payday lending has been prominent and I think I can fairly say harmful, and a new company is hoping to create a more peaceful lending option for people.
0: Awesome. Well, for our next topic, Governor Mike Parson vetoed a bill that aimed to expose Missouri students to more computer science. Technology companies were really fighting for this as a way of cultivating Missouri's tech talent. Right. So the bill would have allowed high schools to count computer science courses the way that they count, like
1: math or science or practical arts classes, rather than counting them as electives.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I find this very interesting because the bill had passed through both the House and Senate with pretty broad bipartisan support. And a lot of businesses and technology organizations were really advocating for the bill, too. One example is the KC Tech Council. After the bill was vetoed, the council president, Ryan Weber, released a statement saying, Well, we are profoundly disappointed. We know we cannot afford to rest in our disappointment. Missouri's children deserve an education that prepares them for Missouri jobs. The tech industry's growth will depend on it. And those are some pretty strong words. Annika, can you explain some of Governor Parson's reasoning for the veto?
1: Sure. So a few of the bill's biggest critics were Missouri school counseling organizations. They worried that giving students an option to opt out of math classes in favor of computer science wouldn't prepare them well for college. And then a portion of the bill would have required the education department to pick the provider for online STEM courses, and and Parson felt that it favored one particular vendor, which he did not name. Carson said that he fully supports promoting STEM education He's made it clear that workforce development is a top priority for him in the past. But according to the Kansas City Star, in his veto letter, he said that he just could not
0: approve of the bill
1: the way that it was written.
0: As for those that really did like the bill, like its sponsor, the Republican Senator Doug Leibler, they were pretty surprised it was vetoed. I know there's already been some conversations about taking the issue up again in the next session. So, Annika, do you want to summarize what this all means?
1: Yeah. Although that this bill was vetoed, many in the Missouri tech community still want something like this to happen, and workforce development is one of the top priorities that Parson has named. So there's a strong likelihood (laughs) that we will see this program proposed again in the future.
0: Yeah. So, our last topic. A Kansas City startup that's providing training and job placement for at-risk women. Rightfully so, was launched in September 2015. They recently moved into a new space in the Crossroads District, and last week, they made a big announcement.
1: Yes. So, Rightfully Sewn has a sewing training program, um, and in their old space, they could only accommodate six women per class, but the new space, they say, is big enough for 30 trainees, and they noted that women and men will be eligible to join that group.
0: And this seems like a really cool way to help people in at-risk situations and find them jobs in the future, and they're doing pretty well so far. According to their 2017 annual report, 83% of the people who've completed the program found a job after graduating.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting way of doing this, and, and it's a important problem that they're trying to to confront sherry turner is the president of the women's employment network and executive director of the women's business center and she said that 67 percent of at-risk women will relapse into their harmful situations mm. within three years without community support hmm. so to summarize a startup that's taken a unique approach to workforce development for at-risk individuals
0: is expanding its space and its reach awesome i think that's it for the roundtable After a short break, Annika will be talking to the Executive Director of the Rural Enterprise and Innovation Center in Kirksville.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Drew Pilevsky, and I'm here to let you know that Speaking Startup is now looking for sponsors. If you're looking for a creative way to market to an audience of informed business decision makers across the state of Missouri, Speaking Startup is the place for you. For more information about how you can promote your company through Speaking Startup, check out the link in the description. Now, back to the program.
0: Up next, Annika interviews Carolyn Chrisman. Chrisman heads the Missouri Rural Enterprise and Innovation Center in Kirksville. She talked about being an entrepreneur support organization in a rural area and how the center is dealing with some major budget cuts. Would you mind um, just saying
1: your name and your title? Sure.
2: Carolyn Chrisman. Executive Director of the Missouri Rural Enterprise and Innovation Center.
1: What kind of programs does the center offer to entrepreneurs? We have individual counseling, business counseling. Also then
2: if they need to build a prototype, if they need a patent, we just help them work through the process. And then if they want to license their product, we can help on that. And so really it's a case-by-case basis on what companies might need. And not everything can we do in-house. We don't necessarily, you know, we don't have any patent attorneys in Kirksville and so we reach out through our network also the same thing with funding you know this might surprise some people we don't have a lot of venture capital going on in Kirksville so we work with our partners to try to get our clients what they need we also have an incubator and co-working space
1: so it sounds like it's partially like just exposing people to a network across the state of different support systems as well
2: Right. Yeah, and simply because we have to of where we are and what what we don't have. And actually, our center we serve. You know, half of our clients um, are not even in Kirksville or Dare County. They're oh. in neighboring counties because we're so well. When our population is a, is a little more sparse, a lot of the. Innovation going on is going to be around animals, agriculture, and some of those things, and those people aren't, aren't going to be right in the center of Kirksville or necessarily attached to a university. I know that coming up we're going to visit about budget cuts, but just you know our ability to travel and get out to our clients is, is going to be severely affected by a lack of funding for the mileage and for being able to do that.
1: Yeah, why don't we jump right in. So how much of the center's funding relies on the funding that the MTC provides?
2: It used to be more. And this is not MTC's
1: fault. So they
2: took a significant cut. Well, then we in turn took that cut. And then this year again, because they got a $250,000 cut from the General Assembly, you know, it looks like we're going to be getting, you know, at least a 10% reduction again this year.
1: So could you give me some numbers maybe of how much funding was cut for fiscal year 18 and, and how much might be cut for this upcoming fiscal year?
2: Last fiscal year, we were cut right around maybe a little less than $50,000. And then this year, it looks like, depending, it could be anywhere from five dollars to $10,000 cut again. So we'll be operating at 60% of what we normally would.
1: So could you get a little bit uh, specific about kind of what programs and services that's been affecting and, and what it might be affecting in the upcoming fiscal year?
2: So last time, our staff time was not able to be dedicated to the Innovation Center as much. We also had to reduce some of the travel that we had initially been able to do when we went and saw clients in a, in a neighboring county or two counties away. We can do you know, a lot of things maybe over the phone via email or via Zoom or some other media, but, but sometimes that's tough with some of our clients. You get out into the rural areas where they don't have the broadband that they need, and so there's a lot of buffering. And so some of those communication tools aren't always... We, we can't always use them. But uh, a lot of our things locally that we, you know, working with the faculty and staff of both our our public university and our private uh, university, we've been able to, to, to continue those functions. So, you know, again, half of what we've done has not necessarily been impacted, but, but about 50% of it has been impacted in some way.
1: And so could you tell me a little bit about the businesses that the center supports, like what kind of industries they're in, and what kind of uh, startups they are?
2: We see a lot. So um, a lot of ag-based things. we We've got people using agriculture in innovative ways, different ways, uh, plant genetics, animal genetics. We also have what MTC would call applied engineering. Again, wide variety of things that we've seen. We also have some students who come to Truman and they have a business idea that'll fit one of the categories that we work with.
1: And so how have you seen the entrepreneurship scene in Kirksville and I guess the surrounding areas? How have you seen it evolve over the years?
2: You know, I, I want to say that it's probably been there all along. Anytime that you're on a farm and you're involved in agriculture, you have to be innovative. So you have to be able to maybe make a part you need, or, and so I think that's always been out there. So some of it is just us discovering that and being able to offer support for, you know, those good ideas, being able to get them out there to others, okay. um, so that, you know, through a licensing agreement or through sales or something like that, because if one farmer's experiencing a problem, you know that more are going to experience it as well. But and we do have this a younger, as the younger people come in, not only through maybe the public schools, but the universities, there is just more of an entrepreneurial bent um, to those folks. And a lot of them, it, it is technology related. We see it all. And so we are seeing more activity from those students and young people than in the past, I believe uh, we we've had people we've had young people as young as twelve come into our center that are doing some genetic modifications with animals, and we're just excited that we get to uh, to see and help them.
1: And and I know that I reached out to you because I, I knew you were the executive director of the innovation center, and then mm-hmm. when you emailed me, I saw that you had like two other titles, so it sounds like you're wearing a lot of different hats.
2: In rural communities, you have to <laughs> you know you can specialize up to a point, but you really have to be a general generalist in a lot of ways. And that's why it's nice to have a network, which you know NTC provides with all the innovation centers, because you know Kansas City, Columbia, Springfield, St. Louis, all of those places, they're able to really specialize. And so that allows us to, in some ways, be a pipeline for them, but also to reach out to them for assistance.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate your talking to me today.
0: All right. I think it's time for our final segment, (laughs) a very exciting look at some numbers and startup news. It is called Can I Get Your Digits? Let's do (laughs) it. So, Annika, can I get your digits? Sure can, Megan. This week,
1: my number is five. The city of Corps is suing Netflix and Hulu for not paying the same fees cable providers pay, and they're seeking compensation for five years of fees. Each month city ordinances require video service providers to pay a 5% tax on gross revenues. The city is seeking class action status for at least 40 municipalities in the state.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I was reading about this story last night and they're uh, looking for 5 years worth of back fees from all of these companies. It'll be interesting to see. You. Well, Megan, can I get your digits? Of course. I thought you would never ask. My digit for this week is 1 billion. That's how much the mobile video startup New TV raised in funding investors like disney 21st century fox warner brothers entertainment one and other media companies made a combined 200 million investment institutional investors from the u.s and china made up the rest it's pretty interesting that new tv has been able to raise so much in the investments because details about the company are still pretty sparse so far we know that new tv aims to bring high quality hollywood production values and storytelling to mobile video but in a totally different format Instead of producing regular-length TV shows, it aims to release content in bite-sized formats of 10 minutes or less. And it's also unclear, for now, if new TV aims to actually own and distribute its own content, or act as its own standalone streaming service, or a mixture of the both. We'll really just have to wait and see how this impacts the mobile video market. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that's about it. It's time to end this week's episode with an entrepreneurship tip from Mike Plunkett, an entrepreneur from Kansas City. He wrote in a recent op-ed for Startland News, Marketing is important, as is creating an overarching vision. And yet, being clear about the realities and what needs to be done moving forward is essential. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced and edited by me, Megan Liz Smith. Thank you to Annika Merrilees for hosting with me. Our theme music was produced by Paddington Bear. We'll speak to you next week.